Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Osiris. And there it is. It is Wednesday, July nineteenth, twenty twenty three. We are live. This is the Helping Friendly Podcast. My name is Brian. That is Megan. RJ will join us here shortly. We are talking Wilmington, North Carolina. Fish's show there last night on July 18th, 2023, 20 years after my second Fish show, which um, we'll probably spend uh, an inordinate amount of time talking about during today's episode because I have memories, but... um, (laughs) We are here to break down uh, the, what is it, sixth show of the summer tour. We are getting into the point where the tour is just rolling. We're moving from city to city, from run to run, all on our way towards that mini Baker's Dozen run in Madison Square Garden. Um, Fun night last night, a lot to dive into. Megan, you were there. How... How are you feeling today? How were you feeling last night? What were kind of your overall thoughts on the vibe and the energy of it all? I'm feeling good. I'm a little tired, but you know, I've been dying to see a show at this venue because when this venue was opening up, my parents live here in Wilmington. I think I've mentioned before, but they live here and I've been coming here since they moved here in 2016, once or twice a year. So I've spent a lot of time in coastal North Carolina and my parents are music enthusiasts. And so when they started building this venue, it was like all I heard about. Like every time I talked to my dad on the phone, he'd be like, have you heard about this new venue? I'm like, yeah, you told me about it last time we talked like over and over and over again. And so I've been really excited. And I know that I loved the show that they Trey played here with Tab in 2021. It was like that last show before the band got completely broken down by COVID and my parents were there and it was just, I loved that show. And I was really excited to come and see a show here. I can't believe they're playing in Wilmington. And 
when Fish plays like a new city for the first time, it's it's exciting. You know, a band 40 years in plays a new city. And that energy was really palpable yesterday. Everyone was so excited and the vibes were just super high. Going in, it was a breeze. It was really organized. The staff was really friendly and helpful, telling us to like go up to the bar and ask for ice for our reusable water bottles and like just really like wanting us to have a great time. We were at the concession stand and this woman said, have you seen these people before? I hear they're a really big deal. And I'm like, yeah, like we've heard, we've seen them before, you know, we've been, we've been to a few shows. So it was just like that kind of, I don't know, innocent, naive feeling throughout the whole night. And I was really concerned it was going to be super packed because it's a small venue. It's like 7,200, but it wasn't at all. There was so much room. The lawn, I had like 10 feet diameter to dance in. Like it was just, it was beautiful. Like my, some of my friends went down really early to get a good spot and they said that wasn't that stressful either. I think I'm going to do that tonight. Um, but last night it was fun. I just got to catch up with friends. They had like a, a really awesome shakedown set up like a few blocks north in this huge grassy field, which was just really nice and, and beautifully set up. Great food, had a nice grilled cheese, which is my go-to. It was just a really, really, really nice afternoon, like catching up with friends and just got me into this feeling of like what it used to be like to see fish when you would roll into a city you'd never seen them in and everyone would be really excited that they were there, but there wasn't this like frenzied madness of like, you know, you have to be this place and this place is going to be packed and so you can't go there. You know, we were at the hotel hanging with some friends like 10 minutes walk from the venue and the pool was pretty much empty and, you know, it just was really laid back. I think that's the general vibe of this part of North Carolina and was the vibe from last night too. It's all good stuff. It kind of reminds me of the first time they played Ascend Amphitheater in uh, Nashville. They seem to find these newer, smaller amphitheaters uh, in the Southeast that allow them the opportunity to, um, you know, break into a new market, uh, reward fans in a part of the country that have been really good to them historically, that have shown up on a historical basis. and it just seems to be an area that they have been really enjoying playing throughout. You know, you think about the Alabama run last year, the Alabama run, obviously this year, Alpharetta, Charleston last year. Um, there's just a lot of, uh, there's a lot of fish in that part of the country. And you find these little venues in a place like Wilmington that I think to those of us who are not from the Southeast, you know, we see it on the touring route and we're like, what, what's going on here? What it was yeah. fish doing playing there. But obviously there's the returns to it and the venue, uh, is, is, is excellent. And the town is excellent as Trey talked about, uh, leading up to the encore last night. So really, really good stuff. Um, speaking of live shows, debuts, speaking of, uh, events, Megan, before we dive into the meat of this show and kind of where we're at in the tour, can you give our listeners out there a breakdown of what's going on with Osiris and HF Pod events? Because I know there's a lot coming up. There's a lot that uh, our, our 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 leader uh, RJ has been has been working towards. Um, give us the lowdown. What what can people expect over the next couple of weeks? 
Okay, let's see if I can get this all right, because we are out there. We are doing a lot these next few weeks. Next week at the Man Shows in Philly, we are going to have two events at the Ardmore. On the first night of the Man, we are going to have an after party with DJ Brownie, Mark Brownstein, and the Funkin' Bowl All-Stars. That's going to be after the show, and I believe we're going to have shuttles from the show to the Ardmore, which is going to be super fun. And then the next night, we're going to have a live HF Pod recap at the Ardmore before the show, and the Cal Kehoe Trio is going to be there Cal Kehoe is one of my favorite kind of like emerging artists. He's such an incredible presence on stage and the band is going to be awesome. So we're going to do that. And then we're going to have a shuttle from the Ardmore to the man. And so you can get tickets for both of those events at OsirisPod.com. I'm super excited. I'll be there on Wednesday and it's just going to be a great time. And it's going to be my first time at the man, which I'm looking forward to. And then after that, it's leading up to this big MSG run and I'm super excited kind of just announcing that we're doing a happy hour on 728, an HF pod happy hour. I'll be there hosting that. And we're going to be teaming up with Bluebird Hardwater. And we're going to have a really, really great event at Mustang Harry's. And we're going to put out some promo material for that very soon, if not today. And it's just going to be an awesome happy hour, 4 to 6.30 before the first night of MSG. Talk about high vibes. Like people are going to be pumped going into the show. And I can't wait to see everybody. So I hope a lot of people come out and hang out with me. And then we also have our big HF pod 10th anniversary party on August 5th, the last night kind of capping off. So we have events the first and the last night of MSG, which is super cool. And we're going to have a party and it's going to be at the bitter end. And we're going to have great musicians. We're going to have the same band that we had played our 97 tribute at the Ardmore last fall. And they're going to play Well, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but maybe I'll just give a little teaser that they might be playing some fish that was inspired by another year that was a reunion for them. So we'll see. But it's uh, it's going to be a really fun band. Cal Kehoe again, Kieran Edwards, a bunch of other awesome musicians. And I hope people come out and party with us. We're going to have some really fun guests there. And it's just going to be a really festive, exciting time to celebrate 10 years of the pod. So all that stuff you can get tickets for on OsirisPod.com, except for the happy hour. Just show up for that. It's all good stuff. Huge shout out to Bluebird and huge shout out to yeah. Sam Timberg for making that happen. Really great friend and fan of the podcast and all things Osiris. Um, all right, let's dive into this. So we, you get dropped off by your parents with your friends in, I presume, a minivan. Pretty amazing stuff. Just a huge <laughs> throwback to uh, uh, early 90s fish shows. Um so Fish comes out and they immediately play Happy Birthday to You, which was um, the first time that they had played this since June 25th, 2016. This version was for Jim Pollock, longtime artist for Fish, designer of the Junta cover. So many t-shirts that all of you probably have, so many posters that you have. Um, we then went into Simple, uh, Faded into Camel Walk, Gotta Jaboo, Steam, Poor Heart, Cavern, Divided Sky, Casual Enlightenment, third time played, all time, Shade, and um, SOS. I mean, excuse me, Drift While You're Sleeping. Um, <laughs> nice, nice job. Meg, what were your thoughts <laughs> on uh, this first set overall? How did it hit in the venue? What are your thoughts kind of looking at it as a larger piece? What were your highlights? Well, I think when they opened up, with the fun happy birthday, just like, you know, a nod to someone who's such a huge part of the iconography of fish. It really felt sweet. And I loved that. But when they opened with this simple, 
and right away we're just giving it space to breathe, I was, my expectations got a little out of hand. I'm not going to lie. It was just an exciting, simple, I thought there was just this contemplative darkness to it right away, like, which is so in contrast to this, like really happy, like, you know, vibrant, uh, good vibes feeling like, you know, North Carolina evening. So it was kind of fun that they were willing to like go someplace kind of totally opposite of what, you know, what you'd expect them to open with, you know, you almost expect them to open with something like, I don't know, it's just something like more relaxed or like something fun, like have mercy or like, you know, something like Jabu or I don't know, something like that, where here they come in with this like dark, simple, it was exciting. And I thought it just sounded really patient. It's like almost 12 minutes. And it was just really, I thought a really good spot. I kept wanting them to like, keep going. I was just like, just keep, keep pushing this. But, um, I thought the rest of the set was pretty good. I mean, for me, the highlight was really the divided sky to beyond that steam where they just, it was perfectly placed. The sun was setting the breeze kind of like first started for the first time off the river and the ocean a few miles away. And you could see the sun setting just to the left of the, of the venue. And it was just really beautiful. So that moment was like nice. And I think again, showcase fish's willingness to put in, whether it's that extra rehearsal time or just a lot of like, extra focus to play their composed old kind of like classic songs with a lot of feeling. And I think that was a really nice divided sky. Otherwise there were a lot of songs, you know, there were 10 songs. And so it definitely left me like really hoping that the second set was going to go deep, um, which I know we'll talk about, but yeah, I thought that, that the, there were some, some pretty good versions of some other songs. I thought Jabu was pretty good too. And steam was nice as well, which I called before, which is like always what they play when it's this hot. I think they played it last year in Raleigh last summer. And I was like, yeah, they're going to play it again. It's just too hot not to. <laughs> yeah. I, I share your sentiments in a lot of cases, um, from, from the couch. Uh, I was watching this, um, last night while we were getting dinner ready and the simple just immediately hit and it kind of, you know, it gave me that sensation that we've gotten a lot so far on this young tour that, um, already you guys are feeling it, you know, and you think about, Mm -hmm. um, specifically the first and second night in Alpharetta where from the jump, the band was really showcasing a willingness to get loose, a willingness to, um, dive in, uh, to, um, just kind of the unknown and kind of explore whatever jamming ideas are floating around their head. Um, I want to, you know, just point out really quickly from, from, you know, just a, a praiseworthy standpoint, a celebration of these sub 13 minute jams of 2023 yeah. that have really hit because this is something our cohort, our co-host, uh, Jonathan Hart really, really hammers home the idea of, um, efficiency and the idea that, um, sometimes fish can play a jam that is shorter than you, uh, not you, the proverbial you may want, uh, when they look at a set list, when they consider a jam to play, but oftentimes those jams really are full of ideas. So I just want to do a very, very quick run through of some of my favorite sub 13 minute jams of 2023. Cause the simple was in it along with the uh, February 24th chalk dust, the April 15th Piper, the April 15th Tube, the February 26th Simple, the uh, July 11th Chalk Dust, 
chalk dust when it's under 13 minutes just seemed to crush uh the aforementioned simple from last night and then we'll get into a little bit more when we talk about set two but the july 18th uh last night's 20 years later um also just coming in right around 12 minutes there's something about these jams when fish takes all of these songs that I listed have jammed in previous eras for upwards of 20, 25, even mm-hmm. 30 minutes in some of these cases. And there's a level of comfort that comes with playing these songs. And there's a level of uh, we don't necessarily need to we don't need to spend a lot of time figuring out where to go with this song. When we get into the jamming space, we can just start to take risks and know that, you know, it's, it's a reliable jam vehicle that we know what to do with, be it the melody that they start with, be it the effects that Trey goes after, be it the tempo that Fishman's setting, whatever it may be. Um, these songs just really connect and simple connected almost immediately last night, uh, in a way that, um, really hit me hard. Um, I, I loved it. I, I, w- I would, I want to, pivot though because you mentioned it and you know this is an interesting topic that i think you and i have talked a lot about um we talk a lot about throughout the hf pod text chain um and you know i talk about with a lot of uh, other fans there's this constant ebb and flow over uh the concept of flow and 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 the concept of flow within a, a first set second set whatever it may be um I'll be blunt. Uh, last night, I did not think flowed very well as an overall show. Yeah. Um, it, it felt to me uh, like, and I had this kind of working theory that they're unspooling this massive rotation that they have, which includes a hundred plus songs written in the last 10 years, plus everything that came before, plus all these new songs that Trey just debuted at the Trey trio shows. And they're trying to figure out what needs to be explored again during the MSG run. It does not seem mm-hmm. as if you're going to get the thematic approach to the MSG run, the way that we did when it was the Baker's dozen and you had the donuts that came along, but I could be proven wrong. We didn't know that there were donuts at the Baker's doesn't until four hours before the first show um i want to just ask you like it, it it appears based on your comments that you felt like the first set last night did not flow as well as previous uh shows from this tour do you, do you is is that is that an accurate read and kind of what do you think was the issue at hand there yeah i totally agree i mean i think you and i as music fans both really appreciate flow. And I think that that's something that like when it's not there, it always stands out to me really strongly. And it's, it's a narrative arc and an ability to have, um, song placement that's super intentional and, and flows together in a way that the emotion of the set feels complete. And I think that this set didn't have that. I think, you know, when you're playing songs like poor heart and cavern kind of in the middle of, you know, songs like divided sky and, and, and then you're ending with this, you know, really emotional kind of sweeping, um, two ballads like shade. And even though drift isn't technically a ballad, but you know, it has that kind of like slower, really long composed section and like, you know, really like touching lyrics. I think that that really didn't, it didn't flow. And I remember someone I was watching the show with a friend turned to me and was like, we had run to the bathroom really quickly during poor heart sorry, but that's just, that's just what you do sometimes. And, uh, and I came back and a friend was like, I'm not really sure where the set's going. And I'm like, yeah, it's okay. We're just going to ride it out, you know? Um, but it was, I mean, it was fine. I think, I think that the beginning part, and I guess maybe this, we can transition into it, but I think the 
especially the beginning of the second set, like the first three or four songs through Mercy, I thought was the best kind of part of the show that really flowed and had like a real kind of um, narrative to it. And it's so amazing to me. And I'm skipping ahead a little, but I just want to point out that it is amazing to me how Trey is finding perfect placement for debuts. That is just something you can only do, I think, after you've been doing it for a really long time. And how he's able to find this perfect landing spot for Mercy that I just, I thought was really stunning. And we can get into that, but um, after we talk about the beginning of the second set. But yeah, I agree. The flow, the whole show was, um, didn't really have great flow. But I do agree. Sorry, I just wanted to say, I do agree with your assessment that you made on our text chain. And again, here, that this is, probably have to having to do with them opening up their catalog for MSG. I hadn't thought about it like that, but I think it makes a lot of sense. They have, they're going to have to play a lot of songs. Yeah. And I mean, I wonder, I remember feeling in the, the shows leading up to um, the Baker's dozen, there were five shows that led up to the Baker's dozen. So we're already at like, this would be the six, this would be the Baker's dozen. If this was that summer, um, there was a sense that like they were playing a ton of random songs. And I, don't, I think there was maybe one repeat across those five shows, but I remember just like this, you know, they were pulling Mr. Completely out after one performance 15 years earlier. Um, mm-hmm. So many songs that hadn't gotten airplane a long time. They were extending out jams and you kind of got the sense that they were testing out like a, can we extend out jams in a way that, um, uh, allows us the opportunity to, um, you know, really fill a chunk of a set with improvisation. And also, can these random songs, you know, that we haven't played in a long, long time, really fill rotational spots? And ultimately, you know, completely would come back at some point. The jamming really took off at the Baker's Dozen. I, I don't know what sort of sense I'm getting here because, you know, there's seven shows uh, at MSG this year. I don't necessarily. Um, get the feeling that they're going to go for no repeats again. That feels like a very one time, like 13 shows, no repeats. What a huge accomplishment at Madison mm-hmm. Square Garden, no less. Um, it almost seems like to me, to my ears, and I could be totally wrong, that they're trying to just figure out what are the songs that really work that they can go back to at MSG. Cause you imagine they're going to be going into that run um, in mid tour mode which tends to lead to a string of really high quality shows. And so what are the songs that will be the strongest for them there? Who knows? We will see. Um, I'm, I'm on the same page with you though. It's, uh, it's, it's just an interesting thing when like you, you see a show like the first night in Alpharetta where I can press play when that show begins and I have zero intention of skipping anything. It just, it, every single moment of that show feels right. Um, and then there's another show like this where it feels just kind of like a hodgepodge of let's play this song. Let's play that song. When they played cavern, I was like, we're not ending the set yet already, but like, you know, just happened. Um, diving into set two, um, we had, uh, timber, uh, open the set going into a song I heard the ocean sing, uh, going into light, which, um, had a pretty nice, uh, segue into the debut of mercy 20 years later in the backwards on the number line in the bug into say it to me, Santos. And then we encored with the howling as well as, uh, Susie Greenberg and Susie Greenberg, as I'm noting from fish.net contained the ninth cube teases from Trey and Paige, as well as the howling quotes from Trey. I need to listen back for those ninth cube teases because uh, that is a song I wish would um, find its way back in the rotation from the sci-fi soldiers set. I absolutely love that. Um, tell me 
you know, you, you mentioned the, the kind of the first part of the uh, second set here, the third quarter, if you will, what were uh, your big uh, highlights from this segment of the show and why did it hit so hard for you? You know, Timber isn't a song that I actually really love, but I thought last night's version was really good. It was really fun to see them kind of pushing outside the lines a little bit. I think that it does have this rich, soulful energy to the song that is a really nice runway to fish to like take off. And you really heard them playing with like a really floated and layered jam. I thought Fishman was doing like incredible fills. And even though it was only eight minutes, it actually felt a lot longer at the show. I was surprised when I saw that the timestamp on Live Fish because it did feel stretched out, which was really fun. And then this, a song I heard the ocean sing though, was definitely for me, the best part of the show and was absolutely tremendous live. I, I listened back this morning and I, it just hit, it hit just as hard, but last night it was really, really impactful hearing it there. I think, you know, it's just, this song has been played 45 times now and a third of those times are on the jam charts And this one is going to be the 16th one on the jam chart once it's added, I'm sure. And I think that this song is just, it's so authoritative and powerful. And I feel like the band really kind of embodied those energies as they just like laid into the song portion of this, this performance. And then you just hear Paige laying into this, these intense organ with Trey's like growly guitar over it. And I felt like the show just like, boom, like cracked open. And it finally felt like there was like this really like confident and strong tray led like rock and roll jam. Gordon was laying down like the sickest funk underneath. Like it was just so funky. I was having the best time dancing to this. We were up on the lawn. We had so much space. It was just really like, it was great. There were people on the lawn just yelling like, yeah, like throughout the whole jam, which is just always like the best to me when the crowd starts like, egging the band on that's what that felt like it just had this like energy to it and then Paige came in at the end with like the bluesy jam and it just felt really like really textured and layered in a way that like only fish can do right I just felt like they sounded really hungry and in the last five minutes it was cool though because they're balancing this like hunger with this ability to kind of sit in musical spaces and feel unhurried and I really loved this jam. I thought it was beautiful. And I want to hear your thoughts about it before I kind of talk about the rest of the set. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that what you said there at the end, the unhurried aspect is, uh, I think uh, of anything I look for in the fish experience, it's that, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, I, I just, I really like that sensation of either listening to the band or watching the band perform via webcast or in the show and you get the sense that they are um just right in the moment and they are letting whatever they're playing just breathe as fully as possible and it's one of the reasons i don't necessarily care about set lists and it's one of the reasons why the idea of flow is so difficult to define because there are uh song selections that can uh work completely just based on how the music is being played versus others Mm -hmm. that just don't fully connect and um, I agree with you. The whole segment here from Timber, uh, Ocean Sing, Light, Mercy, 20 years later, it, it was that. And and for whatever else we could say critically outside of that from a show standpoint, um, that chunk of music was really remarkable. And re- I went back and re-listened to it this morning. It all held up. Um, you know, the Timber, uh, only eight minutes, but reminded me of um, 
721, 17, and 728, 18, two versions that if you're not familiar with them, I encourage people to go back and listen. They're only about eight minutes themselves, but they definitely traverse outwards um, into that, you know, that that type two territory as well, albeit very differently from this version. Um would have, you know, potentially been nice to have have this uh, this song kind of be stretched out for the first time in, I want to say, 26 years at this point. I don't think it's really jammed since, the, wow. since 1997. Um, I could be wrong about that. Um, I'm sure that Ryan Storm is doing his research right now to tell me if I'm wrong. But that, <laughs> that 112897, I believe, is the last truly jammed out timber. Um, either way what you get out of a song I heard the ocean sing, which is another song that I talked about this with 46 days last week. Um, that song is almost 20 years old and that's mind blowing because it still feels like a new song. Only 45 versions played as you noted, um, stuck in that very strange 2.0 era where they debuted these songs. They got one or two performances. And then when they came back in 09, they had all these new songs. So, how do we fit these songs in? And a song I heard the ocean sing has really had the majority of its great versions in the past five years. I was going through them all this morning and my own personal kind of top five for this, this song is, um, uh, Jimmy's night, seven thirty seventeen, uh, six nineteen two thousand four. Uh, 72422 from Hartford last year, last night's version 718, and then the uh, Mexico 22 version, uh, February 25th, 2022, which ended an incredible four song second set. But um, this was one of my favorite jams of summer, right as it was happening. It felt alive. It felt like um, uh, one of those moments. It kind of reminded me of the uh, Randall's Island uh, 2014 light where it just kind of has this like free jazz mm. approach where there's just rhythms going off and there's these kind of spacey tones that bring you back to 1999 and there's melody and there's funk and it's like candy and you're dancing, but then it <laughs> easily switches tones and it easily modulates and it easily, you know, puts you in position where, um, you know, you ultimately kind of feel unhinged but the band, the band feels fully connected it's really just what i want every time i hear a jam um i don't know i i loved it it felt dark it felt happy all at once i thought it was a really strong version um i know ryan here is commenting on the twelve thirty one seventeen version that's a great version i have that just yeah. outside my top five but that is an excellent excellent version late set three jams on new year's i am here for that please Hell please yeah. please want that um <laughs> But yeah, no, I, I I I loved this version. I thought it was again one of the strongest jams of the summer, and you know, it's just it it showcases this really fascinating aspect for fish always that um, even on nights when they're not, they don't sound a hundred percent connected. Mm-hmm. They can still find those moments, and that is the thing that everybody continuously goes back for is that moment combined with the larger vibe of this. Yeah, even on an, a show that doesn't have great flow, you might get one of the best jams of summer. Like that's just that's just the best. I mean, that's why we do it, right? And that's why I'm always having a good time at a fish show because I'm gonna find something to love about it. And I think this light was also really beautiful too. It slipped into like a really delicate jam and it felt like Trey was laying back more and there was like a lot more conversation during this. And it was just you hear them kind of like hinting at that timber riff and it just 
settled into this like really relaxed and beautiful effortless space. And that was like really at this moment when the night started to really cool down, you know, you finally were like able to breathe a little bit. I wouldn't say cool, but like it was not as blistering hot anymore and you're getting some more breeze and, you know, the lawn again was like super spacious. And I just had that moment of feeling like really grateful, you know, and, and this song makes me feel really grateful. And I think that, um, thinking about how it was written and, you know, knowing that like Tom wrote this song, you know, inspired by this Eckhart Tolle book that Trey had given him and this idea of like separating that the mind and the body can be separate and, you know, that that allows you to kind of get through harder times. And I I just always feel really grateful about where the band is when I hear this song, but especially this year, I've just been thinking so much as they do this, like their last summer tour before the eve of like their anniversary. And it's just really, it was a nice moment. It was really beautiful. And I think like that going right into mercy was just, it was pretty emotional. That song is so beautiful and the intimacy and the emotion that Trey is able to perform with and access now, it's kind of would have been unfathomable to me in the nineties to imagine it. And it, you know, it obviously comes with like maturity and, and experience, but also just his dedication to his vocals. He sounded beautiful last night and I thought just perfect placement for that song. The band sounded really strong. It was actually funny when I looked at it, I didn't realize, I didn't remember that it was the debut. I, and cause they sounded like they've been playing it. Like it sounded really strong and just perfect placement and how it segued into 20 years later, it sounded like that was intent, like it was almost like that was what was destined to happen. Like that song sounded so natural after mercy. I share all that. And I'm just, I'm re looking at the set list right now. And it's just, it's just kind of fascinating to look at uh, light mercy 20 years later, backwards down the number line. These are all four songs yeah. that were debuted in the 3.0 era. Um, two of which or three of which obviously were debuted in 2009 when this was all restarted. And then a song like mercy um, as you know, what will probably serve now as a, a, a nice landing pad in the same sort of manner that lonely trip does. Um, and it's really a breather cause it's only like three minutes. There's not an extended solo that comes off it. It's just, you're in and then you're out of it. Um, I don't know. There's, there's a real sense of, we talked about this in a recent episode, uh, you know, surrendering to the new songs. And this is yeah. a segment of music that I thought flowed really nicely compared to, you know, the, the first set compared to the end of the overall show. Um, but it's all songs that if you went back to 2006 and were listening to your tapes, you have no idea what's to come when fish comes back, uh, at some point, um, the encore, you know, just kind of a, a quick note howling, I thought had a really strong jam. Uh, it got really funky. It got into a cool dancing space that kind of showcased possibilities, um, uh, as, as always for these, um, uh, for these sci-fi soldiers songs, we've talked a lot about them being, um, you know, what feels like more structural songs rather than songs that are there, uh, to, to really serve as, you know, true song standpoints on their own. They're kind of like excuses for the band to jam almost the same way that, um, the chilling thrilling grooves tend to be. But I thought that this was a really interesting version and, uh, Susie Greenberg taps into, there's been a lot of classic songs played in encores, uh, throughout this tour and encores have been really 
uh, high quality throughout this tour. So it just, um, it was another kind of stamp on that of a really good quality encore, really good quality performance, um, to end the show. Um, did you have any thoughts? I know you have lots of thoughts about sci-fi soldiers. So just want to give you, <laughs> give you, uh, the floor here and in, in what must've been a version that you, you got down really hard for. Yeah, this is the song that I like of sci-fi soldiers. This is the one. And this song delivers hard for me. And every time I hear it, I like it more. When I heard it last, I think it was April at the MSG run or over the, maybe it was in December. I can't remember. Um, I think it was in April and I was on the floor and it was right after Down With Disease and it hit so well and it was so much fun. This is exactly like that, but even better. I thought they sounded perfectly in my favorite 1997 pocket. Like this was, it was, this was like a me, just like perfect for me. I don't know how else to say it. I can't say it more eloquently like that than that. It just hit me right where I always want fish. Like if you were going to say like, what do you love to dance to that fish plays? I would literally play them like that. Like it's just hits that kind of 2001 vein that it just, it's super funky, super fun. Trey was yelling like, you know, do it, do it. And like egging the crowd on, the crowd was howling. Everybody was super into it. Really high vibes. I want to give a shout out to Brett and Sierra from Boone who introduced themselves. Fans of the pod were dancing hard with us during this and just having a great time. It was just really fun. Like we were up on the grass and I'm pretty sure that grass is destroyed underneath where we were. Apologies, but it was just such a funky throwdown and I had an absolute blast. And this was my second favorite part of the show. I think that the way that they've been playing encore so intentionally is just, it's been exciting. I think a real you know, answer to this podcast shitting on encores. So I think that Fish is like replying in kind and playing us some really cool encores. And I think their trick of playing a really new song and then an old song, Fish does that so well. And it, and I think that that kind of always works like hints at like the the things they do best. I love it. Yeah, it's uh, it was a good pairing and um, a really good, really good omen going into night two. All right, so um, I'm getting the notification from the bosses that the uh, hit that was supposed to be quick is now just turning into a hit. So we will um, wrap this show here for today, Megan. Really quickly before we leave, um, what do you have on tap today? Are there any lunch spots you recommend Wilmington Heads uh, check out? And uh, what are your expectations? Or three things right there. Okay. I'll try to remember them. Um, you know, I'm always just like a passenger when I come to Wilmington, I never really know what's going on or where we're doing what we're doing, which is like the best way to be for me sometimes. Cause I'm rarely like that. So I'm going to go with the wind today. I think we're going to go have a really big, nice lunch downtown somewhere at like three and have that be like our big meal of the day. And then try to get in early, get a nice spot where we were on the lawn last night. Um, I think really indicative, sorry, I'm not making this short, but I'll try of this big, band playing in a smaller venue is that the soundboard tent really took up a lot of the view from the lawn of the band. So I'm going to try to get in front of that today, which I'm excited about. So yeah, I'll be down. I'll be walking around and having some fun downtown, maybe spend some time on the river walk. It's beautiful. You can like walk right on the river to the venue and to the other hotels and restaurants down there. So I'm going to be downtown Wilmington. I hope to see all of you out there and I can't wait. I think, you know, when you're playing somewhere new, the first time you're there, you're kind of like getting used to it. You're getting settled. But the second time, then you can have a real adventure. 
I love it. Yeah, there's always something about going into a venue the second time and knowing your way around, knowing that's the bathroom to go to, yeah. that's the beer tent to go to, that's the spot I want to go to for the the best sound. And uh, you can kind of chill out a little bit. It's uh, it's a ton of fun. So um, I'm excited to uh, to watch tonight's show. I'm excited for you to be there. Um, I'm hoping for some uh, really awesome music, as always. You know, we'll see what happens. Um, we are we are just moving our way along as we, as we make our way towards MSG and then ultimately Dick's where we end the summer. It's uh, you know, that's, that's, that's what we're chasing right now. But um, thank you all for hanging here with us today. I hope you have a wonderful Wednesday out there and uh, we will look forward to seeing you tomorrow for a hit that I promise, because one of us will not be there. I promise will be very, (laughs) very quick. Thanks everyone. Thanks everyone. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Grey Street.